Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast everyone. It's great to have you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Our special guest today is Brian Broadus. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Hey, John. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Now, I'll tell you all a bit about Brian. So Brian Broadus is the founder and president of the Broadus Group, a boutique consultancy that collaborates with organizations, businesses, and individuals to create tangible results for clients in areas such as leadership development, change, and talent management. Brian is a human performance expert and as a consultant and executive coach, he is known for increasing the value people bring to an organization and also in turn increasing productivity. Now, before we talk a bit about what you do there, Brian, at the Broadus Group, tell us a bit about Brian Broadus, the person. So who is Brian Broadus? So tell us about your growing up, your family, influences, all that kind of stuff. Sure. I grew up in a very large, weird family. I have eight brothers and sisters, and uh, my family walked everywhere. My parents didn't want to drive. They wanted very much tight family units, so we walked places. And uh, I grew up in western Pennsylvania in um, U.S., in USA, Steel Town. And uh, this is sort of why I'm a coach today. I'm going to tell you this because it's so relevant. And... Um, just when I was becoming of age, I was very excited. I had a lot of ambition. I had a lot of um, drive to make something for myself, make a career of some kind. The steel mills closed. 25 miles of JNL steel closed and was the steel decline. They say it's the second biggest business decline since the Depression. Where I was living, the unemployment rate was 18%. And this is all on my blog. It's all when you click on about me. It was 18%. I was devastated and I was just getting out of high school, trying to figure out where I'm going to go. Am I going to go to college? Am I going to work a technical, whatever. Then unexpectedly, my father died. All of a sudden, I was devastated. I was devastated. Just, I went into shock. And, so how, old, there, and how old was he I, at the time? Sorry, bro. My dad was 51. Mm-hmm. Okay. 51, yep. And so I spent time recovering and then mostly uh, most when I transitioned I really figured out I need to be my own coach I need to figure this out I need to be my own philosopher my own motivator and my own intellectual guide uh, we had I had eight brothers and sisters so my mother was spread very thin so I had to do so I did it and that's what I did and I worked in um, various various outlets. I worked in corporate America. I worked in law enforcement. I worked in nonprofit and I worked in government uh, starting out all the way up to senior leadership. So I basically um, um, made myself, but I had all these different jobs and I had to jump around and I had to be very versatile and adaptive. And it really made me who I am today. And um, that's why I became a coach in 2009. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. And was there, any other, any other influences besides family, like besides your parents, 
that helped mold you who you are? So were there any particular thought leaders, like whether they were business leaders or personal development leaders that really inspired you and helped you um, guide you? You know, that's a really good question. I have to be honest. No, um, I worked for the Xerox corporation. They were good. They were a good company. I was laid off from there too. I was laid off six or seven times. Um, they sold that little piece, the branch that I worked for, the financial services section that I worked for. They sold that. But I mostly learned, there were some pretty mediocre, fair leaders there. I'm going to tell you, John, mostly I learned what not to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of command control. A lot of you listen to me, I'm in charge. A lot of that kind of leadership. But when I went to graduate school, I went to graduate school for leadership. I have a master's in organizational leadership. I learned that what I was doing, uh, guesswork, all had theory behind it. And that's really what catapulted me um, into senior leadership roles. But I, but I saw what my supervisors and my superiors were doing, and they were creating dissonance, not just with me, but with others. And nobody wanted to work. Nobody was engaged. So I did the opposite. I did, they taught me what not to do. When I went to graduate school, then I learned what to do. Mm. And um, we'll get into it as, as we go on, but I went to so many leadership programs uh, throughout my career, tons of them. So that's shaped me also. Yeah. And so you, you started the broadest group. Uh, when did you found the broadest group? In 2009, I became a certified coach and it was Brian Broaddus Coaching. And then the name, The Broaddus Group, just sort of evolved out of that. Mm -hmm. yeah, 2009. Right. And, and why The Broaddus Group from Brian Broaddus Consulting? So I'm, I'm, do you have a, more, more people there that work with you? Is that why it's called The Group? A little bit, yeah. It's sort of my wife is sort of a silent partner. My wife has her doctorate in uh, business a lot of organizational behavior. So she's sort of like my silent partner. I, I write things and I create programs and, and um, my wife is a uh, consultant to me. Mm. So that's why I said that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you founded the broadest group back in 2009, what vision did you have for the broadest group or uh, what mission? What was the mission yeah. and has it changed over the years? Is it, is it pretty much stayed the same or has it evolved? So the, the inspiration for, for the broadest group was everything I learned or didn't learn in, in, my, um, in my work life, working my way up to senior leadership. There was a gap between when I, I went to almost every leadership program, every leadership workshop you could think of, including senior executive leadership development program that was um, one week, $12,000. Um, but what was there never hit the ground at, at, at the office. Oh, yeah, that's what they did in training. Oh, yeah. So the inspiration to find my, my, the broadest group to do co co executive coaching was to make that stuff happen. Because what I did was in my office, when I became the senior leadership, I made that stuff happen in my office and everybody was happy. I made it happen, made a deliberate effort. Of course, it's a lot of more work. I brought that, what I really know and what I really wanted to bring change to, I brought to my office and it soared and it sailed. So that was the inspiration for the broadest group. And my, my mission is I help leaders create lasting change for themselves and for their team and for their stakeholders. 
Great. And can you share with us, Brian, maybe one or two success stories where you've been able to go into an organization and really turn things around? Sure. And, you know, it's a really good question because what happened to me was I was uh, one of my first clients. It was a bank that was bought out by a bigger bank and I was brought in to help them with that transition and to coach the senior leaders into like his briefing room and would have this almost like a football game uh, meeting at halftime. Okay, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go and then they'd go out and um, create resonance with the change, with the transformation. And then we'd come back in, how'd it go? Well, we'd do debriefing. So I helped with that. And that was a big deal. And I've also helped numerous independent clients. I had clients that came to me that, that had no no confidence, no uh, feeling down, feeling torn, you know, um, taking everything personally at work. One guy went on to get his doctorate, and I coached him through his doctorate. Left his job, went to do what he really wanted to do, got his doctorate. So a couple of really, you know, they they spawn other things. You know, a couple of great great jobs we did um, spawned other things. Mm, so excellent. yes, yeah. Excellent. And, you know, as we've been talking, what I've been, uh, one of the messages I've been getting is about um, the, the importance that management can have for, in terms of productivity for a business, having the right managers there. Now, do, do you find, Brian, it's the managers themselves that uh, uh, need the training or is it the, is it the higher level, uh, like the CEOs and the, the president's organization, are they hiring the wrong type of managers altogether? Where, is, where are the issues? I think it's individual. Um, my experience is I go to the same coffee shop every day. And sometimes I get the barista who is a sweetheart and gives me extra napkins, makes my coffee just right and very caring. Some mornings I go and I get the prickly barista and I'm afraid to even ask for extra cream. She's going to bite my head off. Here we have this two same people. They go to the same leadership training. They go to the same customer service training. But what's the difference? Why, why the different feel? It's the person. And so it's the same with your managers. Um, sometimes leadership training is rote. This is my experience. This is what my experience was. I went to the top, the top high, highest paid leadership, executive leadership program, and they worked on behaviors. And it was the same thing, the same, same old. There was no impact. There was no impact on the leader. And some people wanted it, so they took, they distilled the message by themselves. They took it upon themselves and made things happen. Most of those folks there, eh, yeah, I've been here before. This is, I've heard this before. And so it's the individual that takes that initiative to become the leader. That's what I think. That's what I think um, that we're seeing. Because mm. I was and, way ahead. I, I worked with command control leaders, but I wasn't a command control leader. Is there anything you can do if you have leaders, managers within your organization that don't have the right attitude is there anything you can do besides not hiring possibly in the first place? You know, yeah, that's right. And you should be picking up on that in your interviews. You should be picking up on that. I would like to say I've been on several panels. That's another role that I have found myself being called into being on a selection panel for, for CEOs and COOs and senior leaders. 
And I help them define, get these questions that are all encompassing, that, that, that really give answers, that drive, drive these answers where you can pick these things out. Yes, they shouldn't be there, but if they're there, you know, like in government, they're there. You have to do something with those folks. You can't just fire them. So um, you need to work with them. And that takes a lot of time. A lot of people don't want to do that. A lot of director types don't want to work with senior leaders. They just let them go. Well, he'll retire in five years. Well, do you, under, do you realize the damage they're causing? And they're going to retire in five years' time? You're going to have burnout. You're going to have things on fire. Um, so the, the big thing is, it takes a lot more effort to do what I do, personal leadership, personal change, um, building character. You don't learn character in a leadership development program. It takes more time. It takes more effort. But I do know, I do have people. I don't have a, I have a funnel full of work for people that want that, people that want their leaders to be that connection. You look at people like everybody that works at Google. They have leadership like that. Google set up a coaching program for their staff, connected with the International Coach Federation. So you have that. You have the, 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 the really good companies are doing it. Mm. And is there any advice, Brian, that you can give for owners of businesses that are listening right now and they're thinking, you know what, I, I really need to be doing something with my managers, be more proactive in helping them. Is there any yeah, gems of advice you can offer uh, to those that are listening right now? Yeah, I would say that you're not going to get them uh, to do what you want them to do with a stick. The old stick carrot is, is, isn't going to work. You, you have to invest the time. You have to build the relationship, create trust. You know, when I worked for Xerox Corporation way back when, I went to um, TQM, Total Quality Management. It's way back. That's what Toyota started with, TQM. They were great to work with. They were great to work for. People in the whole organization would lay down on fire for them because of their mannerisms, because of how they treated you. So you reciprocated back. So I would say if you have some people in your organization, in your business that are impossible, well, you need to get those people off the bus. You need to get the right people on the bus and then work with those people. You, um, you, patience. Patience is a, um, I work with people all the time, helping them develop their patience. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a virtue, literally. Um, but use patience and people come around. I have brought people around. Absolutely. I had some real tough cookies that really pushed back and they still send me birthday cards today. <laughs> but, um, you know, because they saw the light. You know, you, they, they, oh, Finally, you know, when the, the student is ready, the teacher appears. You've heard of that? Mm. When there's people are ready, the lessons that you're giving day, 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 you're being a model, not a critic. The, the, the lessons that you're modeling, when they're ready, they see them. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I think one of my weaknesses is I, I, I tend to, I can tend to have this mentality like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's sort of like mm -hmm. if they're not going to work, they're not going to work. But yeah, I, I'm sure people can come around. Um, what's some of the questions that, you know, let's say you're looking to hire someone into a leadership position in your organization. Uh, what do you want to be looking for? And what's some questions you should be asking them? Yeah. So, 
Um, tell me about a conflict that you had with either your supervisor or with a direct report or, or some kind of, it happens at work all the time. Some, what kind of conflict? How did you handle that? How did you handle yourself in that? And then I don't just listen for the answer. You watch. You watch for, hopefully you can have, you have the person in front of you or at the very least a video conference. Um, most times they fly them in. Uh, watch for nuances. Watch for shades of character. Watch for shades of malice, animosity. You know, you don't want that kind of thing. I can tell you, it doesn't work. It's just not going to work. You know, it's the old teenager thing. They're going to run away. They're going to be. It's going to be a turf battle. Mm. You know, you know the whole Snowden thing. I know some of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, there was no, an article. No, okay. Yep. There was an article in Vanity Fair when it first happened that cost United States of America billions of dollars that hurt everybody. How it started was a fight with his supervisor. The supervisor and he were arguing of who knows more about computers. That supervisor should have de-escalated that. That manager, if he was good, if he had finesse, remember I said I was in law enforcement? When I went to law enforcement training, they taught you psychological behaviors, how to talk someone down off of a cliff, how to de-escalate. That leader, that manager, that supervisor should be de-escalating that. De how can we work together? Where's the common ground? They did not do that. He created animosity. He, cre he, he added gasoline to the fire, to use a metaphor. So that's what we do every day. That's what managers do every day, de-escalate. Get those folks to work. You, you, you're the manager. You have the higher perspective. You have the higher, you have the authority. In business, it's all, it's all, all the strength and power is with management. And the, and the uh, team members know that. So if you come down to their level and you want to coach them as a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder partnership, they're going to work for you. They're going to work. They're going to like you. And, and that's what I built. And that's why, that's what I take out into my world uh, as a coach. Yeah. And what, what you're talking about, Brian, is so important in terms, in, in lots of aspects, you know, relationship wise, uh, people are much happier if they got, if they're happy, w w if they can work together as a team really well, they're a lot happier productivity cost wise, like you mentioned with the Snowden Institute uh, incident, sorry, a Snowden incident, we're talking billions, trillions, I think you said trillions, maybe trillions mm -hmm. of dollars. So, and the cost to businesses is very real when leadership, when management are not functioning the way they should be, that they don't have the right skills and they don't understand. Um, and so what are some of the impacts that when you don't, when management are not doing the right thing? So you, and you mentioned a few of them briefly before you mm -hmm. mentioned burnout before you mean, you mentioned, some some owners of businesses or those that run organizations have the view well they're stuck here for five years <laughs> but it's pretty crazy because you're right there's a lot of damage you can do in five years or even in six months mm -hmm. that's right and I, I said this back way back when in my business uh, business interview that you picked up on leadership strategy should be aligned with your business strategy where do you want that business to go? 
Well, it's not going to get there by itself. Your leaders need to buy into that strategy. And then you, as the senior leader, need to pick those leaders to funnel and feed your business strategy. You can bet that Jeff Bezos from Amazon does that. You can bet the folks at Google do that. Do that. You can bet Zappos does that. All the good companies are very selective. They're not going to let poison in the door. They're very selective. And think about yourself. Think about you as an enterprise. You would be very selective in each brick that you selected to build the edifice of you, wouldn't you? And that's the analogy I use. So be selective. Take your time. Don't just rush in. Oh, I want to get the job done. Today, there's no more command, directing, ordering. It's more influence and persuasion. Those are the finer skills. Those are the skills of professionals. So you need a professional CEO, professional CEO, professional coach leader to pull those out of folks and, and to, to, to make that happen. Because when you have a team that's persuaded and influenced, well, that team's going to soar. That team's going to take off. And when you have a team that is agitated, isn't it obvious? When you have a team that's agitated and rubbed wrong by the manager, stress skyrockets. I read somewhere years ago that a dysfunctional office is somewhere around 17% productive. You know, people are so busy running around covering themselves, hiding things, pushing things under the carpet, holding things from the leadership. They're not getting any work done. They're not producing for you. So, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a key role that leadership has. And I think it's sometimes it's overlooked. Really, they have the power. And that's sort of what I go in there. And I show them they have the power. And I remind them, look, you guys have it. You have the power. Be smart about it. Don't be exploitive or um, underhanded. Just be smart. Treat your people authentically nice and, and compassionately and watch what you get. Um, Aetna Insurance. Aetna Insurance was one of the first companies to um, jack up the uh, minimum wage for their folks. And you look up Aetna Insurance, they're doing really well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, great. Great. Thank you so much for those insights, Brian. They're really excellent. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot out of it. I'm sure our listeners have. Brian, is there any final thoughts that you had for everyone that's viewing this interview today? Well, you asked me uh, in your written questions about what advice I would give to new business owners, people starting out in new businesses. And I would say, don't listen to anybody, but listen to yourself. Don't, don't capitulate to outside forces. Don't compromise. Follow your own instincts. I get a lot of questions about becoming a thought leader. Well, to become a thought leader, you have to begin by leading yourself with your own ideas and your own direction. And if you follow other people, and if you let other people influence you, and you capitulate to their ideas about you, number one, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be doing what is not you. You're going to be doing what's them, what, the, what, you're, what they're telling you to do. You're going to be out of your, out of your integrity. 
And, and number two, you're not going to be happy. And number three, you're not going to be authentic to yourself. So um, find out what it is that you want to do. Find out what your contribution is. Find out what your gift is and follow yourself. Influence yourself. That's what I would recommend for new business owners. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And I can tell from your own life that served you really well because, as you said, you, you mentioned before, when you were you know, beginning with your own career and working in different places, you learned what not to do. So you looked at what people were doing and you didn't, sort, you didn't accept it as that's the way things should be done. You, you questioned things. So you felt things weren't being done in the right way in certain areas. Um, that led you to develop your own ideologies about leadership and how things should work in the workplace. And obviously it served you well uh, because of what you've been able to achieve and what you do today. So I'm really grateful, Brian, that you've been here with us today and everything you shared. Uh, very, very much appreciate it. Now, for anyone that's listening today that wants to connect with Brian, Brian, the best place to go is your website. Uh, uh, which so The URL for that again, please. Sure. It's www.thebroadestgroup.com. And um, also brianbroadus.com, either one works. Um, either one will get you to that website. I have a lot of free stuff, a lot of downloads. And uh, sure, in complimentary conversations, if anybody wants to chat, I love to talk about moving things forward, creating improvement. Mm-hmm. Great. And I can tell you myself, it's easy to get hold It's Well, Brian's open to communications, easy to get a hold of him. I had to, we had a bit of an emergency situation <laughs> and I was able to, so he's uh, very much available. Look, again, thank you so much, Brian. Really appreciate you being here with us today. And I want to thank everyone as well for being here and listening to today's interview. John, thanks for asking me. It was a pleasure. Hey, John Legadakis here. If you got something out of today's podcast episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast as each week I'm doing more of these valuable interviews. Also, share it with your friends. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so anytime through my website, johnlegadakis.com. There's also a lot of great free resources there to help you to get more traffic and leads for your business. This is John Legadakis signing off. I'll see you all next time.